Hey, welcome to the CTO studio. This week I have a special guest on Nguyen. Yes, it's not Win. We talk about the hybrid environments of software and hardware, electrons, women in technology, and a very special story about Vietnam. So stay tuned. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. Welcome to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Etienne de Bruin. The CTO Studio is where we chat with CTOs building amazing products with incredible teams. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hey, welcome to the CTO Studio. I have on Nguyen. Was that right? Yes, that close, was perfect. Close. No, that was perfect. Thank you. You did not see how she trained me to say that. I just think that millions and millions and millions of Americans are mispronouncing that every yes, single day. They are. They're saying win. They're saying it's a win-win situation. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a dad joke. Yeah. Do you have kids? I do. Do they say that? Do they say it's a win-win situation? Yes. No, they don't. <laughs> How many kids do you have? I have two. Two I boys. Ha- I have two. I have three. Two girls and one boy. Oh, wow. They are not the brain. They are the Bruin. <laughs> and also Etienne. I mean, I get multiple versions of that name. Oh, really? And you just, why did you say it so perfectly? I just said it the way it's spelled. Wow. I love that. <laughs> So on, yes. CTO of Creative Electron. Yes. You're building imaging systems that use Creative Electrons? Yes, for the purpose of inspecting samples for defects. Okay, and do you are you mostly a hardware company or a software imaging company? You know, as my boss, the CEO, Bill Cardoso, likes to um, pitch what we are, we're a software company that delivers our product in a hardware box Mm, that sounds like he's got a sales background um he's actually got a double e degree he's a phd in double e and of course he has an mba and did he invent did he invent the system or well i don't know about invent because you know x-rays yes but he did um come up with a lot of our ideas and how we've productized those ideas. And, um, you know, he works with me and our um, COO, Griffin Lamaster, to come up with solutions that work for our customers. And your customers are mainly? Uh, PCB manufacturers, um, electronic manufacturing services. Is that how they decided to engage this market was, hey, we think that there's a better way to inspect PC yeah. boards. And- well, you know, obviously with x-ray, you're able to see things that you can't see with your naked eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people do a lot of visual inspections, but you need to see below the surface or inside of objects without having to disassemble it. So if you can just take that and apply it to anything that you would like to inspect, that's where the x-ray technology really is advantageous. Do do people who use your hardware have to wear special suits? No. 
We have fully leaded boxes and we keep the radiation levels within standards. So no, there's no special um, clothing or mm. suits or anything. So if I can visualize this, it's a box and I just push my products through it for inspection. Well, that's if you have a conveyor belt type of system. Okay. But a lot of our boxes have um, doors with leaded glass. So you would, you know, slide oh. the door open, place your sample on the stage, and then you would image it. When I put my hand in the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Am I safe? Yes, you are safe. Well, I mean, x-rays, x-rays make me nervous. Because every time I go to the dentist... You know, my hygienist leaves as a human and comes back as a robot. <laughs> and you put on the bib, right? Yes, and, and dresses like, a, and I'm, what, what's happening to me right now? Yeah, no. I mean, when the door is open, we have interlocks. If they're not engaged, there will no, be no uh, radiation emitted, okay? And the levels that we're emitting are not high enough to cause harm to you when everything's fully enclosed. Mm, okay. So... You're safe. Thank you. <laughs> and like I said, you won't be able to x-ray your hand <laughs> because the door is open. And uh, is, it, is that the standard configuration? Is a, the box with the door, like is that, do you have one skew for that sort of thing? Or, or do you have multiple configurations of the boxes? We have or? multiple form factors. I mean, there's one that people like to describe as it's, it's cute. It's called the cube. And it's this big. Um, what is that? I want to say foot by a foot. Over a foot. Um, that does, I don't have that the does exact sound adorable. Yeah, for x-raying and you know. like, can you can you x-ray puppies and <laughs> kittens? I don't think we should talk about that. But <laughs> so, as CTO, are you then therefore uh, presiding over a, a hybrid environment of hardware and software? Yes, um, you know because software is managing the hardware we're very intertwined so a lot of decisions as far as what hardware is going to be used how do we integrate things that's all under the software stack and you know myself and my team you know we make um suggestions on what's compatible or not mm, with the, for the for the, for driving the hardware yeah well you know the x-ray inspection systems, there's the main components, which is the x-ray detector, the x-ray source emitter, um, and then the box itself. And if there's any movement inside the box as far as being able to manipulate the samples inside. Mm. Okay. But, but, but how do you manipulate the, the image of the, of the sample or like physically manipulate it? Well, both. Um, there's the physical manipulation because you can't really get at times with the magnification that you want, um, mm. the entire sample inside. So you do need to move your samples around on that stage in order to view, you know, the targeted area. Uh -huh. And then we do also have, um, software capabilities where we stitch those, uh, x-ray images together so that you can get the full image of the stage okay and is the uh is the image that you render is it 2d or is it 3d it's 2d we've done things in the past with 3d as well um we have a system that's a ct so you know basically we rotate the samples around capture a bunch of snapshots and then 
um, that gets passed into a third-party application that transforms that, that all into a 3D model. So do your customers purchase, they purchase this box from you? Yes. And, and then they, they basically, when they are doing manufacturing runs, they'll take samples from, the, from whatever they're manufacturing and just do spot checks? Or is it mostly for the beginning while they're prototyping? Or how does that work? Well, um, they can do the spot checks if you know, they just don't have the capability to run everything. And if they're getting one of these standalone boxes, then they're not going to run everything mm. through there because it's a manual process. Mm. But we have created custom conveyor systems um, so that they can run all their samples through. And do you, uh, do you maintain those boxes? And are there, is there a lifespan on those boxes? Do they get shipped back? How does that work? Um, we have a preventative maintenance where annually we will go out and inspect these systems to make sure that you know there are radiations within levels that the detector is still performing same thing with the emitters mm. so there is a lifespan i don't have the hours yeah, on hand yeah. but obviously the more you use it yeah. then the sooner the equipment's going to wear out my uh my brain just took me to the image of <sighs> x-rays being emitted from the source emitter does that happen in like a, a beam or does it have does it flood the the the, the compartment Oh boy! I'm only asking because I'm worried when my to- my teeth get zapped at the dentist. Yeah. Are they zapping it? Is is it like a beam that comes to my tooth, or does it just go and it just the whole room is just flooded with X-rays? <laughs> um. Oh gosh, I don't know about your dentist. <laughs> I don't want to answer this. Okay. Well, for I actually can't answer this. Um, I think that what's happening is the particles are being emitted, and then as they bounce around, yeah, I think they start to lose their energy. So I don't think that it's just going to go all over the place like mm. you're imagining. Okay, so it probably they they beam it, and then it just goes away like i mean it's forming a cone beam it's not yes, like okay. a laser oh, so that's beam. why it gets right up in my face which i don't like <laughs> i don't like it when they put that thing right in my face bad bad experience at the <laughs> dentist so your so your journey uh, to become cto at this company did they hire you a cto or did you become one uh i became one so my original title at this company at Creative Electron was a VP of software development. Mm. And then when did they say on, we need you to be CTO? How did that happen? Uh, last year. We, we've been growing. And um, like I said, you know, software is just so intertwined into our product that originally, um, you know, it's just focusing on maintaining and developing and overseeing the software side of things but over time you know my ceo realized like we need to have that tighter relationship mm. of software and hardware mm-hmm. and so he just said you know it only makes sense for me to be cto mm. and really think about new strategies that we can uh, deploy and technologies that we can start implementing and just growing um 
the the software yeah. along with that hardware. Yeah, and then so as your makeup um, uh, VPs of hardware and software, then uh, as far as your direct reports, do you have? Well, how how do you manage that? Help the CTOs who have hybrid environments understand how you're managing both the hardware development and the software development. You just do it. <laughs> I mean, I work at it, a startup, essentially. I mean, so. you just caused us $10,000 in royalties <laughs> to Nike, right? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Are you disappointed in me now? No. Um, I have, By the way, I have a friend, a yeah. very close friend of mine, and I, he's French. Yes. And I, I know that if I'm not disappointing him at least once a day, that I'm not doing my job. So in a way, I have this inverted thinking around disappointment. <laughs> and it's I'm, on your I checklist. Rea- I realize now that by disappointing you, I'm actually building a relationship with you. So I'm loving this. Oh, wow. I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> but so, uh, to answer your question, you know, making good software we do have to understand what's happening with the hardware so it kind of evolved naturally anyway um and because we're a startup you know you just have to dive in and figure things out so there's not a whole lot of advice that i can give people other than do it do it not just do it (laughs) right do it do it minus just. Minus just. Is the <laughs> let the record reflect that we removed the just. But as a uh, so so let's get into the 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 mechanics of CTOing a little bit. Yeah. Do you have you have you uh how are you so do you manufacture the boxes? Yes, we do. So uh there's obviously a a, 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 a development methodology there with your hardware people. And then the software people probably have some sort of agile software development around the device drivers, the the imaging software, and all that. So how do you have VPs assigned to each one of those, and then they manage that, or are you managing more like pods, or how are you helping okay. visualize this? Hmm. Well, I don't have VPs that I manage directly. Um, our structure is different, you know. So I have three direct reports and then i also will talk to the manu- manufacturing team so we have um griffin master he does all of the cad designs mm-hmm. but you know he'll come to us to figure out oh is it okay to use this type of actuator we want better accuracy so we'll tell him you need to ah. put these things in so as a consulting the saw so- Consulting whether that would be a problem on integrating that into the software and all that. Yeah, as far as like how can we get the software to perform up to the levels that the customer needs, mm. and that's you know having repeatable um, results and being able to accurately go to any given target. Mm. Is are, are 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 all your boxes custom made by for customers, or do they just buy from a catalog? We have standard product offerings, but. Because we have customers that have very specific defects that they look for, um, and mm. now that everyone wants more automated, you know, less human intervention, um, it does become very custom, if that makes sense. The starting box, you know, is 
the standard offering, but we do offer the customer the ability to add on additional software features and even hardware. Okay, so in service to automating down the road so that you set the box up according to their spec and then the automation kicks in, like they switch the box on and it's automated. (laughs) To some degree, yes. (laughs) I feel like I feel like you. It's hard to talk to really smart people. Are you calling me smart people? Yeah. <laughs> I literally just said you switch on the box and the automation happens. I don't know what you're getting at, Etienne. Those are those are just. It just sounds so inadequate. My description of your product and your technology. Oh, sounds I see so what inadequate. you're saying. Yes, there's actually a lot of work behind getting all of this coordinated so that we're moving the hardware correctly to the designated locations and then capture the image and perform an analysis on it. Do those images come back to you and you guys analyze it? Yes. Okay, okay. And so tell me about the, do you have boxes that are huge? Um, Can I call have- it a box? Scanners. What do you yes, call those you could things? call them boxes. I think when you said cute box, I feel like everything's a box. They are box shaped, yes. Okay. So do you have massive ones? We have ones that are double fridge wide. Hmm. And then, you know, if, if there's conveyors attached to them, then they get even longer. And are there many companies in this space? There are a good number of companies, yes. So do you differentiate yourself then on the software and the analysis and the kinds of scans you can do? Is, is, that, is that a thing? Well, we differentiate ourselves, yes. We, a lot of these other competitors of ours are higher end or much lower end. Okay. So we're kind of in the so mid-level range. Um, so with the higher end, they're just not going to customize a solution. Mm. So that's where we fill in the gap for a lot of our customers. They want the x-ray inspection system to do something that's specific to their sample. But, you know, if they go to some of the higher-end uh, manufacturers, they just oh, will refuse it. Oh, okay, okay. Because they like, the higher-end is like, this is our box, this yeah, is what you do with it. take it as it is. So your value prop is the relative cost benefit of customizing but also getting these high high end scans and yeah and you know some of our systems for the uh pricing that you are paying you get a really beautiful quality picture so you know that's also where we um can just sell something that's a standard product that you know takes over that portion of the market share is we're affordable compared to the higher end product, mm. but we're still able to give a very good picture. Yeah, and do you ship uh, international, like all over the world? Yes, we do. Wow, we have uh, systems in Europe, in South Asia. Africa. I'm not sure about South Africa. I'll oh, have to check on that. No, I feel disappointed. Well, you can be our customer. I can. I mean, the cute box does sound very lucrative. You could X-ray anything. I mean, your cell phone, your watch. Really? Yeah. We do teardowns with iFixit. Wow. So every time there's a new iPhone that comes out, we partner with iFixit and we do teardowns of it. Wow. And do you, so do defects manifest usually as the same image 
or is 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 every part that gets scanned different? So, do you can you write software that just generally knows what defects look like, or is it is it very specific for each? Or do you just give the image and they have to do the analysis? Well, you do the analysis though. Well, there's there's all of those things you described are true. Okay, I feel feel so relieved right now. (laughs) So you know. Customers can just buy our product simply for imaging, and then they will do the manual inspection mm. themselves. So that's an option. But if they want us to do it for them, we also provide software that will do that. So um, some of it is, you know, an image comparison of a golden sample, and others are we train it on <clears throat> what we know to be good data, and then. Oh. You just said train it, so yes. should we say the words? You can say it. I know you've been waiting. I'm not going to say it. Say it. <laughs> Machine learning. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I want to I talk about this little thing you mentioned to me, which is this thing about escaping Vietnam as a two-year-old. Oh, yes. Is, so, this, is this an American dream story? I... Yes, it is an American dream story. So, um, you know, Vietnam, unfortunately, became a communist country, and my father was just not happy living there anymore. And seeing, you know, well, he was going to university at the time, and all of those dreams just kind of went away when the South fell. So one day he just decided that he's not going to stay here anymore, and we were just going to risk it and pay a guide to take us out of the country. So we ended up um, going through Cambodia, and we ended up in Thailand at a refugee camp where I lived for, um, you know, three years or so. And then finally we were approved to come to the United States. So, you know, it's been, it was a struggle from that point on, even as we, you know, came here. but. The life that we're able to have in this country, I don't know if we could have achieved the same things if we had stayed. Mm. How many siblings do you have? So I always feel weird when I get asked this question. Technically, I have two sisters, but my one older sister passed away from malaria. Mm. So, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes, thank you. And where did you guys settle in the States? So we ended up in San Diego because I have an aunt here. And when um, we were approved, you know, they asked, do you have any family? So we have my aunt who lives here. And then my uncle lives in France. So we decided to, you know, come here instead. Do you, you you say France, uh, the Another Vietnamese person I know in San Diego is from France. Do you know Kai Pham? No. Okay. He's into AI big time. Oh, you had him on one of your podcasts. Holy moly. You watch those things? Yeah, they're good. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think I agreed to come here today? I don't know. I don't. I literally don't know, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> so your parents, are they 
still with us? Are they? Yes. And are they in San Diego? Yes, they're in San Diego. And did your father realize his dreams? He brought his family to a beautiful country. You know, they have a comfortable life. I think that if he had been born here and been able to go to the, you know, schooling here and really just continued with his education, he's a brilliant man mm-hmm. and I know that he could have done a whole lot more mm-hmm. with his life, but unfortunately due to circumstances mm-hmm. um he came here and you know, my parents just took odd jobs and worked very hard and did what they could to mm-hmm. survive, but you know, they afforded my sister and I opportunities to go to higher education ourselves. And, you know, we've done well for ourselves as far as finishing and getting a degree and having employment. Did you do that in San Diego? Yes, I I stayed here and I went to UCSD. Um, my sister got to go to UCLA. I see a hint of envy <laughs> on your face. Well, my parents were just, they wanted me close by. Oh, because they knew. Knew what? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know then. What are you insinuating? I, I don't feel like I am. I feel like you are. Well, you phrased it that way. Uh, I Let's guess... move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so the other day I was scrolling my LinkedIn feed and I saw a photo of you and a team. Um, hacking an app for the homeless or something? Yes, hacking for humanity. Now, what I was amazed at was that you guys got second prize. Yes. <laughs> we were also amazed. I know. I, that, I don't associate second prize with, with you. I feel like I associate first prize with you. What happened? You know what? That sounds like a failure. It does. I, I was, How do you feel about that? I mean, part of it is... Of course, you want to win first. <laughs> but I still am proud of what we did, even if we got second. Um, the first place team had much better UI design and marketing. I know someone who was on the first prize. On Do the f- you? Michael LaRocca. Oh, yes. I know Michael. Yeah, he used to intern with me. He did mention that. All the good things you see in him is probably because of what he'd learned from from working when he was with me. Did you just take credit for his success? I mean, you said that, but, <laughs> I, but spo- yes. I spoke about his learning experience. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm sorry. I, I don't know about this. This is good. Okay. So tell me about the Hacking for Humanity. Okay. So what were the apps, what, what was the app that won? The app that won that Michael LaRocca is on. I'm not interested in the second place app. I want to know about the first place app. (laughs) It was called Hume. And it was, um, their focus was to humanize the homeless. So the homeless are able to share their stories and also connect with um, people around the neighborhood who can uh, support them by donating various things to them. And it had a wish list. So, oh, so they could they the homeless can a share their stories. B, oh, he mentioned to me that they were looking at maybe implementing the prototype. Like they prototyped it. No, did there was no coding, right? It was. Just I a, I think they mocked it up. I don't okay, think they coded. Okay. He mentioned to me that potentially I, we could work together to get that coded. 
And I was like, well, where did, were you first or second? And he said, first. I said, great, let's work together. And what was your app? So our app really sought to solve the problem of homelessness by connecting um, homelessness or homeless folks with potential employers who would be empathetic and supportive of their current situation, mm. as well as connecting them to uh, volunteers who can support them in that journey towards employment. Now, where did your, how did you decide to get involved with this? So I've been going to different uh, women meetups, and one of the ladies I met there said, oh, there's going to be this event hosted by um, Girls in Tech. Do you want to participate? So then I thought about it. I was like, yeah, why not? Let's so do So it's not so much about the homelessness. It's more about just a, a, a project for a, good, for a good cause with Girls in Tech. Yes. That was the initial reason for committing to it. But, you know, once um, I was there and we heard from various community leaders who are working in this domain, as well as um, a person, that, Tony, who's currently homeless, you know, just some of the facts really struck everyone's heartstrings. And it's, it's a serious issue that needs to be addressed. Mm, I see. I see everywhere I fly to. I just see the I feel. Like I've been doing this for about ten years, flying around to different tech scenes, and just feel like everywhere I go, there's there's more and more homeless people. It's it's pretty crazy. And you know, um, I was in an Uber drive the other day in Portland, and the driver explained to me that the homeless crisis in downtown Portland is 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 growing. I think they said it's the fastest in the country. I, I, I'm sure every city says that. But he said one of the reasons it's so popular, because I thought Portland, I mean, rain, cold. I can understand San Diego. But he said it's because people are so nice. Oh, that's People have so much compassion that, that homeless people know that. Are drawn to yeah, Portland. To sort of the benevolence of, of, the, of the locals. I mean, that makes sense. And I have been to Seattle and Portland in winter, and I've seen the homeless. And I always wonder how, because I'm just a tourist and I'm freezing, and I get to go back to a hotel room later. I was in Portland just now, just a couple of days ago. Yes. Freezing. So what is happening with Girls in Tech? Or you said you go to various women's meetups. Yes. So I go to Girls in Tech, Girl Develop It, Women Who Code. Um, they're just great meetups for learning about different technologies, networking with other women who work in the tech sector. Have you heard of Ad Astra? I've seen it on my LinkedIn feed. Yeah, I went to an Ad Astra event uh, last week. How was it? It's amazing. Female founders, man. Just growing. I love it. That's awesome. What was your biggest transition from, uh, and, and I, I'm going to tie this back to, to giving back. I'm, I'm assuming you're giving back to these communities of women who are growing as, as developers, as leaders. But I want to know, what was one of your biggest shifts when you were asked or invited or applied for the CTO role um, at your company? 
from VP software development, right? Right. What, as a person, what what did you go through when you when you now had to become CTO? What would you say was the main differentiator between the original role and the new role? So I think, in a lot of ways, there wasn't a huge difference, but having that title change, you know, mentally, I began to really question, well, what does it mean to be a good CTO? And that's when I found seven CTOs. (laughs) Come on. No joke. I saw that pop up in my feed and I was like, what is this? And that's how we um, met. Oh, we talked on my chat app. Yes. I took I the just bait. Installed, <laughs> just installed the <laughs> chat widget. Do you know how many people I get who tell me this is annoying chat widget? You should take it off. How many? One. Who? I've never spoken to them again. <laughs> <laughs> you unlinked them. <laughs> okay. So 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 seriously. So seriously. Um it's it's just having that title, you're responsible more so. And there's a seriousness to that role. And so now, you know, I've just been kind of picking up the pace for myself because part of it is that you just need to learn a whole lot more Mm. about what's out there, what's Mm. going on. You know, machine learning, the word you didn't want to say, artificial intelligence, the other. Our subscription rates are skyrocketing right now. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone is talking about this you know and so so that gives you uh something i see regularly is the if someone is promoted through the ranks uh it's tough for a c-suite to afford the authority and leadership to that person because they still kind of see them as the original role doesn't sound like you have that problem at creative electron like you have the role of cto like you're involved in business strategy you mentioned earlier looking at where the industry's going like do you, you felt like that's happened yeah i mean i am involved in all aspects of the business so you know aside from managing the software development portion of it i'm meeting with um industry partners i'm actually on a committee that's trying to set up this standard Actually, it is already a standard, but we're just trying to grow the number of adoptions in um, the factory spaces. To, uh, it's called Connected Factory Exchange. So there's this uh, Industry 4.0. Uh, a lot of the systems now are, you know, IoT or just people want to be able to manage the factory floor better mm. and efficiently and react to issues that pop up with any given. A component or node within their system or network, I should say. Um, so with CFX and some of these other standards, you know, you're able to get notifications in real time of what's happening on your floor. And since our systems are on the floor with these other machines, um, it only made sense for us to participate and also, you know, help drive the direction of the standard. And are you and you're part of these industry? consortiums or committees committees sure <laughs> where should i be afraid when i have to go through that machine at the uh that does, does the scan around my bo- full full body scan at the airport 
<laughs> I feel like you're really um, concerned. I I don't have any data to tell you that it's not safe. Okay. Okay. I mean, I know it's probably safe. I just I feel like I have an opportunity to ask you. But I don't produce that, so yeah. it would be. Yeah. Do you do you out do you do you um you f- you farm that out that component right the the emitter the source yes we don't make it in house S- okay I will go through those machines with uh with comfort that's why I applied for TSA pre so I don't have to go through those machines I mean you can always opt for the wand I know I hate that wand. <laughs> So I started an organization, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I created a group on meetup.com, and it was called Women Who CTO. Oh, and, and what's the, the first, status? first event, I attracted 15 people, women, and then the next event, nobody showed up, and then the following event, nobody showed up. What do you think and happened? I've hosted, I've hosted hundreds of meetups probably literally hundreds. And this was the first time in my life where not only did they not show up to one, they did not show up to the second one. What do you think happened? Did you not get the word out? Or you just don't think there's enough female CTOs? I mean, I used the meetup.com platform to promote the, uh, the, the events. I had two speakers lined up for both that would have attracted people generally. I consulted with many of my female friends about the branding and the logo and the language and nothing. Then I renamed it from Women Who CTO to Future Female CTOs. Ah, so now you've opened up to others who could aspire. Well, I think that was the problem was I said Women Who CTO in the same theme as women who code so it was always meant to be aspirational so i think there was maybe a misunderstanding yeah that it was only for women who cto meanwhile it was an aspirational thing so now i'm going to say future female ctos i think you'll get better response with that yes how does all of that make you feel being active in sort of the women in tech i think that's great we need more supporters and you know, it's not enough just to have women promote women leadership. It should just be having um, equal opportunity and making it so that women can feel comfortable to participate and to aspire for these roles. Because most of the leadership in many organizations are typically male. And I can tell you that a lot of women feel uncomfortable being surrounded by people unlike them, you know? So it's great to have um, men and women support these initiatives just to get a mixture of people involved in tech. And it shouldn't just come from women themselves. For me, it's it's a huge problem for me that, you know, I run seven CTOs, founded it, I have 100 members, I have three women in the organization at three percent makes me very sad so what's your goal my goal is to 
If I can't find them, I am going to do everything I can to make them. I know that doesn't sound right. English is my second language. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just going to say, hey, if you're mildly interested in any way to lead software teams or be a technical co-founder of a badass company one day, if you are so much as just thinking about, if you've had two seconds of thinking about it, join me. I'm going to help you any way I can. I'm going to insert all the vocabulary. I am going to expose you to everybody you need to learn from. Let's do this. Because if we start today, you'll probably be approached by some newbie CEO one day who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> and just be a part of that. Do it. But Etienne, what you're really offering, though, is guidance, right? Oh. You're not just pairing people who need guidance. Are you going to be guiding them and giving them advice? 100%. Seven CTOs. All I right. Wa I want a forum of, of women as a forum of CTOs. Now, I get resistance from some who say, well, I don't want to be seen as a woman. I don't want to be seen as a man. I just am a CTO. So just... Yes, I've heard that feedback before. How do you feel about that? I don't agree with that because I feel as though there... I mean, let's just say how it is. The truth is that women don't get these opportunities regularly. And some people might say it's because the women aren't going after it for themselves. But I think that there's a lot of environmental factors that make women second guess whether or not to even try. So, you know, you do need to focus your solution. And to say that I don't want to be seen as a woman CTO, but that's what you are. So why do we not want to recognize that and say it? I love it. I, I, that's how I feel, but I'm a white male. Well, be the white male that supports female I, leadership. I am a thousand percent behind that. And I want to use the 7CTOs platform to do that. Please. Please, what? <laughs> you have a lot of open-ended <laughs> types of statements. So future, so let me ask you this. Future yes. female CTO, is there anything wrong in that, in that taxonomy? Well, I don't know about CTOs because, you know, that's, that's such a high level. But let's just work on getting more female leadership. And then you can aspire. But to get more participation, I feel almost as though the CTO title mm, is too is too much. It's too uh yes. I have I am known for doing too much too soon. And what have the results been? You know, no one shows up. Well, there you go. So, so you have to make it more approachable. And you have to make relatable. it in such a way that because someone will see that and say, you know what, that's not really what I want to be right now. What will, what will that person who says that actually want? Maybe they just want to be a software development manager. Future. You know, that title has a lot of responsibility attached to CTO, right? Now, we know that to be an architect, 
that's a different level of thinking and responsibility than managing the software team. And that for some people that they're not interested in aspiring to that. Maybe mm. it doesn't fit their personality, mm. but they do want some kind of leadership mm. role. Hmm. So if you say future CTO, there's a limiting yeah. aspect okay, to that. I get that. So I've got to come up with something that, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's painting a picture that feels attainable and doable and not, not like way out there crazy. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you want to be a billionaire? Well, yeah, I do. But, you know, people will start thinking like, mm, what does that really mean? What does that really entail? Future female billionaires. <laughs> no, no more tangents. <laughs> You're going to get no one there, right? Or maybe a couple. Man, I must say um, it... it it went to a very, I went to a very dark, deep, deep and dark place. And I, I wouldn't say I felt dark. It wasn't dark. It was just a deep reflection of, wow, what, what am I really trying to do? What are you trying to do? Trying to bring more female leadership into technology companies. Right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a CTO. No. I think it's just it was. great to increase female presence in technology. You know, when I was doing my undergrad, I can look around the lecture hall of anywhere from 150 to 300 students, and I'll recognize all the female students, and the, it's a, a handful. handful. Wow. Crazy. And I, I spoke to some graduates recently who say that's still going on to, to this day. It's not, it hasn't changed. Still yeah. only a handful. So we have to make tech more appealing and approachable do you have any questions for me uh, that list i sent you did you on did you i don't, i know you didn't send me a list etienne <laughs> <laughs> on yes thank you you're welcome i love this do you i did you did yeah and, and now you? the feeling has passed yes <laughs> <laughs> did, did 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 you like this yeah it was cool I'm disappointed you didn't read my list thoroughly. Mm. You asked me a lot of questions. Well, didn't it feel good writing them down? For what purpose? We, we touched on humanity. We touched on your Vietnam story. We didn't talk about Susan Muller. That's all. Or my favorite books. Yes. I only draw on favorite books when the conversation's really not going anyway. Oh, wow. And we didn't even get to your favorite books, which is a very good sign. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hi, thank you for listening to the CTO Studio. If you don't mind, take a quick second and please rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. Go to thectostudio.com for more information on what we're doing at 7CTOs. We also have a video or two for you that could be a helpful resource for you as you're managing your company. So thank you for listening.